Chapter 18 of Practical Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty T. Practical Religion by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 18 Heirs of God. Part 2. 2. Let me show, in the second place, the special evidences of the true Christian's relation to God. How shall a man make sure work of his own sonship? How shall he find out whether he is one that has come to Christ by faith and been born again? What are the marks and signs and tokens by which the sons of God may be known? This is a question which all who love eternal life ought to ask. This is a question to which the verses of Scripture I am asking you to consider, like many others, supply an answer. 1. The sons of God, for one thing, are all led by His Spirit. What says the Scripture which heads this paper? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 They are all under the leading and teaching of a power which is almighty, though unseen, even the power of the Holy Ghost. They no longer turn every man to his own way, and walk every man in the light of his own eyes, and follow every man his own natural heart's desire. The Spirit leads them. The Spirit guides them. There is a movement in their hearts, lives, and affections which they feel, though they may not be able to explain, and a movement which is always more or less in the same direction. They are led away from sin, away from self-righteousness, away from the world. This is the road by which the Spirit leads God's children. Those whom God adopts, He teaches and trains. He shows them their own hearts. He makes them weary of their own ways. He makes them long for inward peace. They are led to Christ. They are led to the Bible. They are led to prayer. They are led to holiness. This is the beaten path along which the Spirit makes them to travel. Those whom God adopts, He always sanctifies. He makes sin very bitter to them. He makes holiness very sweet. It is the Spirit who leads them to Sinai and first shows them the law that their hearts may be broken. It is He who leads them to Calvary and shows them the cross that their hearts may be bound up and healed. It is He who leads them to Pisgah and gives them distinct views of the promised land that their hearts may be cheered. When they are taken into the wilderness and taught to see their own emptiness, it is the leading of the Spirit. When they are carried up to Tabor or Hermon, and lifted up with glimpses of the glory to come, it is the leading of the Spirit. Each and all of God's sons is the subject of these leadings. Each and every one is willing in the day of the Spirit's power, and yields himself to it. And each and all is led by the right way to bring him to a city of habitation. Psalm 110.3.107.7 Settle this down in your heart, and do not let it go. The sons of God are a people led by the Spirit of God, and always led more or less in the same way. Their experience will tally wonderfully when they compare notes in heaven. This is one mark of sonship. 2. Furthermore, all the sons of God have the feelings of adopted children towards their Father in heaven. What says the scripture which heads this paper? Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 The sons of God are delivered from that slavish fear of God which sin begets in the natural heart. 
They are redeemed from that feeling of guilt which made Adam hide himself in the trees of the garden, and Cain go out from the presence of the Lord. Genesis 3, 8, 4, 16. They are no longer afraid of God's holiness and justice and majesty. They no longer feel as if there was a great gulf and barrier between themselves and God, and as if God was angry with them and must be angry with them because of their sins. From these chains and fetters of the soul the sons of God are delivered. Their feelings towards God are now those of peace and confidence. They see him as a father reconciled in Christ Jesus. They look on him as a God whose attributes are all satisfied by their great mediator and peacemaker, the Lord Jesus, as a God who is just, and yet the justifier of every one that believeth on Jesus. Romans 3.26 As a father they draw near to him with boldness. As a father they can speak to him with freedom. They have exchanged the spirit of bondage for that of liberty, and the spirit of fear for that of love. They know that God is holy, but they are not afraid. They know that they are sinners, but they are not afraid. Though holy, they believe that God is completely reconciled. Though sinners, they believe they are clothed all over with Jesus Christ. Such is the feeling of the sons of God. I allow that some of them have this feeling more vividly than others. Some of them carry about scraps and remnants of the old spirit of bondage to their dying day. Many of them have fits and paroxysms of the old man's complaint of fear returning upon them at intervals. But very few of the sons of God could be found who would not say, if cross-examined, that since they knew Christ they have had very different feelings towards God from what they ever had before. They feel as if something like the old Roman form of adoption had taken place between themselves and their Father in heaven. They feel as if he had said to each one of them, Wilt thou be my son? and as if their hearts had replied, I will. Let us try to grasp this also, and hold it fast. The sons of God are a people who feel towards God in a way that the children of the world do not. They feel no more slavish fear towards Him. They feel towards Him as a reconciled parent. This, then, is another mark of sonship. 3. But, again, the sons of God have the witness of the Spirit in their consciences, what says the scripture which heads this paper? The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Romans 8.16 The sons of God have got something within their hearts which tells them there is a relationship between themselves and God. They feel something which tells them that old things are passed away and all things become new, that guilt is gone, that peace is restored, that heaven's door is open and hell's door is shut. They have, in short, what the children of the world have not, a felt, positive, reasonable hope. They have what Paul calls the seal and earnest of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.22, Ephesians 1.13 I do not for a moment deny that this witness of the Spirit is exceedingly various in the extent to which the sons of God possess it. With some it is a loud, clear, ringing, distinct testimony of conscience. I am Christ's, and Christ is mine. With others it is a little, feeble, stammering whisper, which the devil and the flesh often prevent being heard. Some of the children of God speed on their course towards heaven under the full sails of assurance. Others are tossed to and fro all their voyage, and will scarce believe they have got faith. But take the least and lowest of the sons of God. Ask him if he will give up the little bit of religious hope which he has attained. 
ask him if he will exchange his heart with all its doubts and conflicts its fightings and fears ask him if he will exchange that heart for the heart of the downright worldly and careless man ask him if he would be content to turn round and throw down the things he has got hold of and go back to the world who can doubt what the answer would be i cannot do that he would reply i do not know whether i have faith i do not feel sure i have got grace but i have got something within me i would not like to part with and what is that something i will tell you it is the witness of the spirit let us try to understand this also the sons of god have the witness of the spirit in their consciences this is another mark of sonship four one thing more let me add all the sons of god take part in suffering with christ what says the scripture which heads this paper if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if so be that we suffer with him romans eight seventeen all the children of god have a cross to carry they have trials troubles and afflictions to go through for the gospel's sake they have trials from the world trials from the flesh and trials from the devil they have trials of feeling from relations and friends hard words hard treatment and hard judgment they have trials in the matter of character slander misrepresentation mockery insinuation of false motives all these often rain thick upon them they have trials in the matter of worldly interests they have often to choose whether they will please man and lose glory or gain glory and offend man they have trials from their own hearts they have each generally their own thorn in the flesh their own home devil who is their worst foe this is the experience of the sons of god some of them suffer more and some less some of them suffer in one way and some in another god measures out their portions like a wise physician and cannot err but never i believe was there one child of god who reached paradise without a cross suffering is the diet of the lord's family whom the lord loveth he chasteneth if ye be without chastisement then ye are bastards and not sons through much tribulation we must enter the kingdom of god all that will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution hebrews twelve six and eight acts fourteen twenty two second timothy three twelve when bishop latimer was told by his landlord that he had never had a trouble then said he god cannot be here suffering is a part of the process by which the sons of god are sanctified they are chastened to wean them from the world and make them partakers of god's holiness the captain of their salvation was made perfect through suffering and so are they hebrews two ten twelve ten there never yet was a great saint who had not either great afflictions or great corruptions well said philip melanchthon where there are no cares there will generally be no prayers let us try to settle this down into our hearts also the sons of god have all to bear a cross a suffering saviour generally has suffering disciples the bridegroom was a man of sorrows the bride must not be a woman of pleasures and unacquainted with grief blessed are they that mourn let us not murmur at the cross this also is a sign of sonship i warn men never to suppose that they are sons of god except they have the scriptural marks of sonship beware of a sonship without evidences again i say beware when a man has no leading of the spirit to show me no spirit of adoption to tell of no witness of the spirit in his conscience 
no cross in his experience is this man a son of god whatever others may think i dare not say so his spot is not the spot of god's children deuteronomy thirty two five he is no heir of glory tell me not that you have been baptized and taught the catechism of the church of england and therefore must be a child of god i tell you that the parish register is not the book of life i tell you that to be styled a child of god and called regenerate in infancy by the faith and charity of the prayer-book is one thing but to be a child of god indeed another thing altogether go and read that catechism again it is the death unto sin and the new birth unto righteousness which makes men children of grace except you know these by experience you are no son of god tell me not that you are a member of christ's church and so must be a son i answer that the sons of the church are not necessarily the sons of god such sonship is not the sonship of the eighth of romans that is the sonship you must have if you are to be saved and now i doubt not some reader of this paper will want to know if he may not be saved without the witness of the spirit i answer if you mean by the witness of the spirit the full assurance of hope you may be so saved without question but if you want to know whether a man can be saved without any inward sense or knowledge or hope of salvation i answer that ordinarily he cannot i warn you plainly to cast away all indecision as to your state before god and to make your calling sure clear up your position and relationship do not think there is anything praiseworthy in always doubting leave that to the papists do not fancy it wise and humble to be ever living like the borderers of old time on the debatable ground assurance said old dodd the puritan may be attained and what have we been doing all our lives since we became christians if we have not attained it i doubt not some true christians who read this paper will think their evidence of sonship is too small to be good and will write bitter things against themselves let me try to cheer them who gave you the feelings you possess who made you hate sin who made you love christ who made you long and labor to be holy whence did these feelings come did they come from nature there are no such products in the natural man's heart did they come from the devil he would fain stifle such feelings altogether cheer up and take courage fear not neither be cast down press forward and go on there is hope for you after all strive labor seek ask knock follow on you shall yet see that you are sons of god three let me show in the last place the privileges of the true christian's relation to god nothing can be conceived more glorious than the prospects of the sons of god the words of scripture which head this paper contain a rich mine of good and comfortable things if we are children says paul we are heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ to be glorified together with him romans eight seventeen true christians then are heirs something is prepared for them all which is yet to be revealed they are heirs of god to be heirs of the rich on earth is something how much more then is it to be son and heir of the king of kings they are joint heirs with christ they shall share in his majesty and take part in his glory they shall be glorified together with him and this we must remember is for all the children abraham took care to provide for all his children and god takes care to provide for his none of them are disinherited none will be cast out none will be cut off 
each shall stand in his lot and have a portion in the day when the lord brings many sons to glory who can tell the full nature of the inheritance of the saints in light who can describe the glory which is yet to be revealed and given to the children of god words fail us language falls short mind cannot conceive fully and tongue cannot express perfectly the things which are comprised in the glory yet to come upon the sons and daughters of the lord almighty oh it is indeed a true saying of the apostle john it doth not yet appear what we shall be first john three two the very bible itself only lifts a little of the veil which hangs over this subject how could it do more we could not thoroughly understand more if more had been told us our mental constitution is as yet too earthly our understanding is as yet too carnal to appreciate more if we had it the bible generally deals with the subject in negative terms and not in positive assertions it describes what there will not be in the glorious inheritance that thus we may get some faint idea of what there will be it paints the absence of certain things in order that we may drink in a little the blessedness of the things present it tells us that the inheritance is incorruptible undefiled and fadeth not away it tells us that the crown of glory fadeth not away it tells us that the devil is to be bound that there shall be no more night and no more curse and that death shall be cast into the lake of fire that all tears shall be wiped away and that the inhabitant shall no more say i am sick and these are glorious things indeed no corruption no fading no withering no devil no curse of sin no sorrow no tears no sickness no death surely the cup of the children of god will indeed run over first peter one four five four revelation twenty two twenty one twenty five twenty two three twenty fourteen twenty one four isaiah thirty three twenty four but there are positive things told us about the glory yet to come upon the heirs of god which ought not to be kept back there are many sweet pleasant and unspeakable comforts in their future inheritance which all true christians would do well to consider there are cordials for fainting pilgrims in many words and expressions of scripture which you and i ought to lay up against time of need a is knowledge pleasant to us now is the little that we know of god and christ and the bible precious to our souls and do we long for more we shall have it perfectly in glory what says the scripture then shall i know even as also i am known first corinthians thirteen twelve blessed be god there will be no more disagreements among believers episcopalians and presbyterians calvinists and arminians millenarians and anti-millenarians friends of establishments and friends of the voluntary system, advocates of infant baptism and advocates of adult baptism, all will at length see eye to eye. The former ignorance will have passed away. We shall marvel to find how childish and blind we have been. B. Is holiness pleasant to us now? Is sin the burden and bitterness of our lives? Do we long for entire conformity to the image of God? We shall have it perfectly in glory what says the scripture christ gave himself for the church not only that he might sanctify it on earth but also that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing ephesians five twenty seven. Oh, the blessedness of an eternal good-bye to sin 
oh how little the best of us do at present oh what unutterable corruption sticks like bird-lime to all our motives all our thoughts all our words all our actions oh how many of us like naphtali are goodly in our words but like reuben unstable in our works thank god all this shall be changed genesis forty nine four and twenty one c is rest pleasant to us now do we often feel faint though pursuing judges eight four do we long for a world in which we need not to be always watching and warring we shall have it perfectly in glory what saith the scripture there remaineth a rest for the people of god hebrews four nine the daily hourly conflict with the world the flesh and the devil shall at length be at an end the enemy shall be bound the warfare shall be over the wicked shall at last cease from troubling the weary shall at length be at rest there shall be a great calm d is service pleasant to us now do we find it sweet to work for christ and yet groan being burdened by our feeble body is our spirit often willing but hampered and clogged by the poor weak flesh have our hearts burned within us when we have been allowed to give a cup of cold water for christ's sake and have we sighed to think what unprofitable servants we are let us take comfort we shall be able to serve perfectly in glory and without weariness what saith the scripture they serve him day and night in his temple revelation seven fifteen e is satisfaction pleasant to us now do we find the world empty do we long for the filling up of every void place and gap in our hearts we shall have it perfectly in glory we shall no longer have to mourn over cracks in all our earthen vessels and thorns in all our roses and bitter dregs in all our sweet cups we shall no longer lament with jonah over withered gourds we shall no longer say with solomon all is vanity and vexation of spirit we shall no longer cry with aged david i have seen an end of all perfection what saith the scripture i shall be satisfied when i awake with thy likeness Ecclesiastes one fourteen, Psalm one nineteen ninety six, and seventeen fifteen. F, is communion with the saints pleasant to us now? Do we feel that we are never so happy as when we are with the excellent of the earth? Are we never so much at home as in their company? Psalm sixteen three. We shall have it perfectly in glory. What saith the Scripture? The Son of Man shall send his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all they that offend, and them which work iniquity. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. Matthew thirteen forty one and twenty four thirty one. Praised be God! We shall see all the saints of whom we have read in the Bible, and in whose steps we have tried to walk. We shall see apostles, prophets, patriarchs, martyrs, reformers, missionaries, and ministers, of whom the world was not worthy we shall see the faces of those we have known and loved in christ on earth and over whose departure we shed bitter tears we shall see them more bright and glorious than they ever were before and best of all we shall see them without hurry and anxiety and without feeling that we only meet to part again in the coming glory there is no death no parting no farewell g is communion with christ pleasant to us now do we find his name precious to us do we feel our hearts burn within us at the thought of his dying love 
we shall have perfect communion with him in glory. We shall ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 We shall be with him in paradise. Luke 23.43 We shall see his face in the kingdom. These eyes of ours will behold those hands and feet which were pierced with nails, and that head which was crowned with thorns. Where he is, there will the sons of God be. When he comes, they will come with him. When he sits down in his glory, they shall sit down by his side. Blessed prospect indeed! I am a dying man in a dying world. All before me is dark. The world to come is a harbor unknown, but Christ is there, and that is enough. Surely, if there is rest and peace in following him by faith on earth, there will be far more rest and peace when we see him face to face. If we have found it good to follow the pillar of cloud and fire in the wilderness, we shall find it a thousand times better to sit down in our eternal inheritance with our Joshua in the promised land. If any one among the readers of this paper is not yet among the sons and heirs, I do pity with all my heart how much you are missing, how little true comfort you are enjoying. There you are, struggling on and toiling in the fire and wearying yourself for mere earthly ends, seeking rest and finding none chasing shadows and never catching them, wondering why you are not happy, and yet refusing to see the cause, hungry and thirsty and empty, and yet blind to the plenty within your reach. Oh, that you were wise! Oh, that you would hear the voice of Jesus and learn of him! If you are one of those who are sons and heirs, you may well rejoice and be happy. You may well wait, like the boy patience in Pilgrim's Progress. Your best things are yet to come. You may well bear crosses without murmuring. Your light affliction is but for a moment. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which is to be revealed. When Christ our life appears, then you also shall appear with him in glory. Romans 8, 18, Colossians 3, 4. You may well not envy the transgressor and his prosperity. You are the truly rich. Well said a dying believer in my own parish. I am more rich than I ever was in my life. You may say, as Mephibosheth said to David, Let the world take all. My king is coming again in peace. 2 Samuel 19.30 You may say, as Alexander said when he gave all his riches away and was asked what he kept for himself, I have hope. You may well not be cast down by sickness. The eternal part of you is safe and provided for, whatever happens to your body. You may well look calmly on death. It opens a door between you and your inheritance. You may well not sorrow excessively over the things of the world, over partings and bereavements, over losses and crosses. The day of gathering is before you. Your treasure is beyond reach of harm. Heaven is becoming every year more full of those you love, and earth more empty. Glory in your inheritance. It is all yours if you are a son of God. If we are children, then we are heirs. 1. And now, in concluding this paper, let me ask everyone who reads it, Whose child are you? Are you the child of nature or the child of grace? Are you the child of the devil or the child of God? You cannot be both at once. Which are you? Settle the question without delay, for you must die at last, either one or the other. Settle it, for it can be settled, and it is folly to leave it doubtful. Settle it, for time is short, the world is getting old, and you are fast drawing near to the judgment seat of Christ. Settle it, for death is nigh, 
the Lord is at hand, and who can tell what a day might bring forth? Oh, that you would never rest till the question is settled! Oh, that you may never feel satisfied till you can say, I have been born again, I am a son of God! 2. If you are not a son and heir of God, let me entreat you to become one without delay. Would you be rich? There are unsearchable riches in Christ. Would you be noble? You shall be a king. Would you be happy? You shall have a peace which passeth understanding, and which the world can never give and never take away. O oh, come out, and take up the cross, and follow Christ. Come out from among the thoughtless and worldly, and hear the word of the Lord. I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6.18 3. If you are a son of God, I beseech you to walk worthy of your father's house. I charge you solemnly to honor him in your life, and above all to honor him by implicit obedience to all his commands, and hearty love to all his children. Labor to travel through the world like a child of God, and heir to glory. Let men be able to trace a family likeness between you and him that begat you. Live a heavenly life. Seek things that are above. Do not seem to be building your nest below. Behave like a man who seeks a city out of sight, whose citizenship is in heaven, and who would be content with many hardships till he gets home. Labor to feel like a son of God in every condition in which you are placed. Never forget you are on your father's ground so long as you are here on earth. Never forget that a father's hand sends all your mercies and crosses. Cast every care on him. Be happy and cheerful in him. Why indeed art thou ever sad if thou art the king's son? Why should men ever doubt when they look at you whether it is a pleasant thing to be one of God's children? Labor to behave towards others like a son of God. Be blameless and harmless in your day and generation. Be a peacemaker among all you know. Matthew 5, 9 Seek for your children's sonship to God above everything else. Seek for them an inheritance in heaven, whatever else you do for them. No man leaves his children so well provided for as he who leaves them sons and heirs of God. Persevere in your Christian calling, if you are a son of God, and press forward more and more. Be careful to lay aside every weight and the sin which most easily besets you. Keep your eyes steadily fixed on Jesus. Abide in Him. Remember that without Him you can do nothing, and with Him you can do all things. John 15:5, Philippians 4:13. Watch and pray daily. Be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Settle it down in your heart that not a cup of cold water given in the name of a disciple shall lose its reward, and that every year you are so much nearer home. Yet a little time, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Hebrews 10.37 Then shall be the glorious liberty and the full manifestation of the sons of God. Romans 8. 19 and 21. Then shall the world acknowledge that they were the truly wise. Then shall the sons of God at length come of age, and be no longer heirs in expectancy, but heirs in possession. Then shall they hear with exceeding joy those comfortable words, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25:34. Surely that day will make amends for all. End of chapter 18, part 2